0: Hola y bienvenidos a la Daily Hustle. Soy Enrique Barnes y presidente de es esa mejor cerveza y 818 es el mejor tequila. No abate por No Filter Network, Miguelito San Diego, AKA Bobby Ball, AKA Bobby Barrels, not with us today, but job or no job, dead or alive, we properly salute our boy. Yes, 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 yes. Woo. Remember this, folks. When we are juiceful, we are useful. And when we are juiceless, we are fucking useless. That is correct. I'd uh, like to recognize our title sponsors this morning including the brand new rawlings mock ai drop 5 31.26 so rawlings sent this over and we gave it a test run yesterday in the cage just posted a couple videos biscuit loved it i actually really liked it a lot it reminds me of the actual bats that we used to swing when we were kids that were more balanced and now they have these fucking bam bam sticks that are just a little over the top they feel i'd say more like just totally end loaded where you lose the feel for the bat and my take whether it was the biscuit or our other, other kids has always been that You could swing this now, that's fine. But no one understands that eventually you guys are going to be swinging BB core and then you're going to be swinging wood, and they don't make those bats like that. And it's, it's just not how they feel. So really super stoked. I did not measure exit velocities, which I think is an ultimate determinant of how great the bat is because you can say whatever you want, Look, feel, whatever. I'm, I'm. This is gorgeous, right? But if the exit velo is not there, then none of it matters. I saw a report. I not a report. It was. It was a thing on TikTok. Actually, this kid that does a lot of bat reviews, and they took a eighty dollar bat and they compared it against a four hundred and eighty dollar bat, and the bat had a six-mile-per-hour high index of the So if that doesn't say it all, I don't know what does, now I get it. If you're saying, how do I afford a $480 bat, this is ridiculous, I agree with you. So as a baseball coach, what do I do? Well, I will buy the bats or have bats sent to us from a Rawlings, the Easton Hype, whatever, and I'll make them available for all the kids' Use I've told Biscuit from the get-go, every single bat that I've ever bought or every bat that gets sent to us, they're not your bats, dude. They're our bats, and when I say our bats, I mean that in the sense of let them play. But just reviewing this, I mean, every little detail that Rawlings took care of, just a shiny little I don't even know what you want to call it like the markings the designs you can see the barrels that have already been hit uh another cool Rawlings design right there all the way to the grip I love the monotone you can always change the grip out if you want to go for a different color I think we could do like a fluorescent yellow or something on there for fun and even look at the knob I mean that's just clean and you name the bat AI yeah I, I, uh, I'm I digging that. So, another one of our title sponsors this morning here on the Daily Hustle. We're blowing up, by the way. We're on a Caffeine TV. We're also on the Believe Podcast Network. Really uh, looking forward to our relationship with those guys. Braun's been nothing but freaking awesome. And also, for my ADD brethren out there, we're sponsored by Verge. That's right. Try Verge. This is a cannabis honey lemon concoction that i take at least once if not more uh times throughout the course of the day whenever i feel like i need a little pick me up a little focus set so i figured i take one this morning and not just talk about it but actually Tastes good. Got a little ginger kick to it as well. Now, as we continue to slut ourselves out here, let's not forget KT. New partnership with KT here at the Daily Hustle. And I don't know what all this shit is, but it is – I can't wait to try it out. We have KT Performance Chase Save. Uh, we have the Pro Oxygen which is supposed to be legit this obviously is going to uh be of great use to me if you've ever seen my feet the blister prevention tape and look at this roll i don't know what this is or necessarily how to use it yet my girl morgan's gonna help me but bam this big old roll of kt tape so Anyhow, a very pleasant good morning to each and every one of you on the 25th of August, 2023. Beagreatteacher.com is not a title sponsor, but they're a great contributor to the Daily Hustle. They're back. Thought of the day, quote, success is falling nine times and getting up 10. John Bon Jovi. Joke of the day. Knock, knock. Who's there? Gladys. Gladys who? Gladys the weekend. (laughs) No homework. Oh, so bad. It's good. Random fact of the day. In 1903, Crayola started making crayons. They originally only came in eight colors. Blue, black, brown, green, orange, red, violet, and yellow. Now Crayola makes 120 different colors, huh? Journal prompt of the day. What is the best day of the school week? I mean, that's just a layup right there. Uh, Every Friday, right? Isn't that what every kid looks forward to? And now that we got school back in session, You got Friday night lights and, oh, man. Uh, The daily hustle for today, I have not sent out yet. I don't think I've sent out yet, but I have it all here ready to go. So let's go ahead and give you guys a quick run of that. Buenos dias. Today is free Friday, August 25th. That's right. 2023. So once again, we gift you. A chapter of the Daily Hustle 222 on Filter Life Guides from a Human Crash Test Dummy titled Getting Shit Done the Right Way. While Will Clark and I were having a discussion on Filter Network about the need for baseball players to redirect their passion post-career, Battleborn Mike, a regular on the program, hit the knock button, and we let him into the broadcast. Hey, guys, I don't care what it is that you do. We all have jobs, and almost all of us change jobs at some point. The key is to make sure we continue to find things we love doing. Ain't that the truth? Battlemore Mike went on to say, I like doing a lot of different things. I've always lived by the theory that if it's something I really care about, I need to be the one to take charge and do it myself. Once again, spot fucking on. How often do we see something done a certain way yet it either doesn't get done or it does get done it is nothing like how we envisioned it of course it's important to delegate power and we should all strive to be efficient and effective with our time as possible but if something is that important to us we need to be the actual ones to do it the irony is that oftentimes we will spend more time attempting to clean up the mess of others than it would have taken us to get the job done ourselves. For Battle Mike or anyone else who decides to step up and take control, this isn't an ego play, nor is this about being control freaks. It's simply about taking responsibility for the work at hand and getting shit done the right way. FYI, to pick up the other 221 chapters filled with golden nuggets of wisdom. Click the pick below and or the Blue Daily Hustle link to join today's live interactive video podcast on No Filter Network as well as Caffe TV and the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, by the way, the site's down. I have no idea uh, what's happened. I'm trying to figure it out, but... We will be back up and running here shortly, I hope. So, that's probably a good thing I didn't send out. That's why it's exactly why I didn't send out the Daily Hustle uh, 222 uh, link because it's just non existent. But for your viewing pleasure, there you go. Kowalski and I, somewhere in the middle of Nevada, after 100 and something miles of that ride on the Tri Across America. And basically, we had a little pit stop and i my whole body was just fucking wrecked man and i had had i think it was a tri suit or something on all day and i just i wanted it off i felt so disgusting it was still, it's, the whole thing was salted up and so i went in there i came out my speedo and rode the last i think it was like pff, maybe 10 20 miles <laughs> just like that um <clears throat> looking at if you uh, look if you're just joining us too i want to give you an idea of what we do here is a life optimization podcast first and foremost that's what we bill it as That's what's important to me now that typically includes the hottest news stories sports stores weather phenomenons from around the world but i like to dive into nuggets that'll help all of us in our lives and so i go try to find life optimization stuff so this morning we have seven habits for better living. There was an article that I came across that said, "Put more pep in your step." Did we catch you mid-yawn? We get it. Life can be exhausting. Finish that deep breath and keep reading. These surprising tips will help you say so long to energy crashes. Say to say so long to energy crashes. Well, about you. Read it. All right. So it says streamline decision-making. This is one of them. Every day we face a series of decisions. From the moment we wake up, we hit the snooze button or hit the ground running to the moment we go to bed, the more choices we have to make, the more decision fatigue sets in. God, leads into the fucking truth, man. I'm now starting to figure out that There's things in our lives where we all have a difficult time deciding because sometimes I'm not sure there's a right decision. But how we attack and how we perceive that decision is everything. So it's up to us to actually make the decision and then move on no matter what. But the issue is we as human beings make the decision, then we're looking back we're like, well, should we make the other decision? Or we don't make a fucking decision at all. And... We're sitting there thinking to ourselves, oh shit, like, I gotta make a decision and it's hanging over us and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And then finally, when you make the decision, you're like, oh, well, that wasn't that hard. But we're, no matter what. So, streamline the decision making. That's number one. Number two, sit and stand up straight. Our parents were onto something with their constant nudging to stop slouching good posture not only turns us into upstanding citizens literally it also boosts energy and mood according to research let's see here slumping constricts your diaphragm which limits the expansion of your lungs as a result your respiratory and neck muscles grow fatigued and you take shorter shallower breaths depleting your energy even further and finally, slouching triggers a defense reaction that can reduce your ability to think positively. Posture's everything. To sit up straighter, try the following exercise recommended by Lena Hart, a posture and ergo, ergonomics specialist in Walnut Creek. Interesting, a posture specialist. It comes from Alexander the Alexander Technique, a method designed to increase freedom of movement First, sit in a chair with both feet flat on the floor supporting your lower back with a firm pillow. If you need to, inch forward so your calves aren't touching the chair. You want a gap or two from the end of your chair to the backs of your lower legs. Then visualize a clear bubble around your body with a radius of about three feet. As you inhale, imagine the crown of your head floating towards the top of the bubble your shoulders to each side, your back to the rear, your front forward, and your feet on the bottom. You should feel like you're expanding as you exhale and then inhale again. I do know that just standing up, for example, dude, I used to do this daily hustle, sitting down, I got a stool here, and I'm like, I don't have the same juice or energy when I'm sitting down. So I now obviously do a stand up. Another trick that I'm going to give you guys is whenever you're feeling a lull in the day and you want to pick me up, not only stand up and work on the posture. I'll take, I do this all the time with the bats. That's why I was like holding bats. But just, just this, like standing here, look at head up, shoulders back, feet together, hands by your side. Normal face. It's one of my favorite games I used to play with the kids. And then you take a like a paper towel, cardboard rain thing, and then you trot yeah. to... in. That's a whole nother story, anyway. Another trick, though, when it comes to posture, getting things over, going our dopamine jumps, and they're very basic. It's you don't have to do a hundred of them, but you get up in the middle of the day. You just want to two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. Lighten up the brain. That's it. All right, number three here. Lay off social media. Have you ever grabbed your phone for a crypt scroll on Instagram or TikTok? Just a five-minute break, you tell yourself, only to come up for air a half hour later feeling tired. But wired, cranky, and woefully behind, your to-do to-do list you might just have set yourself spiraling into social media fatigue a state of mental and physical exhaustion characterized by symptoms such as irritation frustration and lethargy because social media doesn't come with any stopping cues the way a book has chapter breaks for example alter recommends creating your own set an alarm to stop Huh. Let's see here. Creating stopping cues has helped me spend my time and energy on experiences that make me happier and healthier. Okay. I have a changing perspective on this now. And the reason being is that social media is fucking here to stay, it's not going anywhere. It's reinvented the way that we consume content. So for example, the other night we were at the table and I don't bring my phones to the table. As soon as dinner hits, it's, I'm done. And I might get on them at the end of the day. I have two phones, one specifically just to create content. And then the other one is where I basically do everything. So I have one to capture everything and then i have one where i'm actually doing all my work on it it's actually pretty liberating because i can leave a lot of times i can leave one at home i usually only travel with one depending on what i'm doing or what not doing and trying to capture but we're at the table and tara's like hey did you see you know this post that i i sent you i'm like no i didn't see it and there's this guy on instagram a pro- I don't know what to fuck up this I think it's like TJ Theron, something along those lines. And does this oldest, middle, youngest, these parody skits that are hilarious. And they're spot on on the personalities of the oldest, the middle, and the youngest. So she brings it out and she's like, here, check it out. Now, another reason why we typically will keep her phone there at the dinner table. Is because we like to call my mom, and I use that time to, hey, we put her up on the, uh, on the on the plant thing, what you know, whatever. So she's it's almost like she's sitting there having dinner with us. We did that during COVID because obviously she was at home alone and had to baby herself. So every single night at dinner time, we call her, and you know she'd be there. Well, we proceeded like as a family. So imagine like the five of us at the dinner table sitting around and scrolling together like as a family and i thought about it a little bit because there were times and i don't know if it was dukes of hazard or maybe seinfeld later on where i remember like sitting there with my family and we would watch a tv show or we'd watch a game and we definitely will have games on in the background and once the evening hits but when you're consuming this content together, I don't mind it. When we're doing this in a social setting alone, that bothers me. So again, like, look, social media is the biggest blessing and curse, I think, in all of our lives. I could be doing what i'm doing now for a living without social media like the way we're able to now promote whatever it is kt Rawlings, like all of this even what we're doing at no filter network all of our views all of our main views are through social now we have the diehards that come here obviously we're live we're interactive here let me open the chat this morning Joe, what's up, Gene? I mean, look, this is this is everything. But at the same time, what allows us to be able to eventually monetize this thing, is a lot of it is through the social. So because of that, I'm extremely grateful. Now, at the same time, you're looking at it from the other end, and it's just like, fuck. It's given us, all of us, I think, this false realization of what life actually is right the uh, whole idea that everything is you know we're all living in this la-la land and we all live perfect lives on instagram Uh, and then it's a shortened our attention spans where consumable content has become 15 seconds i mean i sent the video to henry the other day it was a minute and 27 seconds henry's our social media director at no filter network he's like too long fucking, fucking two like a minute and 20 seconds now the irony of all this is that probably the best video even numbers wise with shares and likes and everything else that I know I've posted in the past six months has been was a three minute video that was explaining the story of the first big league call up that I talked about on the last daily hustle but there's no doubt that people want these short bites and you try to give it to them. I still think there has been and always will be a place for long form content. I think that when I know when I go on a run and I'm going to listen to a podcast or a book like that is when we really engage. But other than that it's duh, duh, duh. but set parameters is basically, I believe, what they're saying. Green your space is the next one. There's so much data on the health benefits of spending time in the great outdoors that you might be tempted to get your responsibilities and head for the hills. Well, here's some good news. More and more studies suggest that surrounding yourself with indoor plant light can offer similar perks. Okay. I get it. First of all, a similar perks – Maybe you're just saying well, all the same lines, but there's no way that a fucking plant is going to replicate the great outdoors that we have here in Tahoe with the uh, gorgeous pines and uh, you know all the other trees and plants, and it's just it's different. I got something else too. So my wife Tara loves. Loves plants. And I'm not against plants. Like, plants are fine. You want to put plants in the house? Put plants in the house. I'm all about it. But do we have to put them right in the middle of the fucking dining room table? I, like, I do Talk about, like, number one thing that annoys me is when I'm sitting at the dining room table and we have, like, friends on the other end. And it's like, oh, hey, what's up? Yeah, those those plants are gorgeous, aren't they? And she buys these ones. It's like I've never seen them. Like I don't know what they are, but I, they're, they're as big as a bat. I, I mean, I, it's a it's a joke. And then last night it was funny because we went to dinner, and Jen Wilson was sitting across the way. Who's uh, Caroline's mom? Who's Chloe's best friend? I'm like Jen. Hey, it's it, it's great to see you. How's 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 everything going? Hey. Uh, oh, oh awful so you want to green your space fine put it in the corner of the fucking room the next one here exercise energy vampires and this is like it says exercise like e-x-o-r-c-i-z-e almost like exorcist a couple of people may already come to mind the friend who always calls in the middle of your work day to dish about their relationship drama or the family member who reaches out when they need help, but never to check in with you to determine if someone is an energy vampire. Ask yourself, do I feel tired, unsupported, depleted, and even a little sad after I spent time with this person? If you say yes, you're dealing with an energy vampire. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck them. See ya. I can't do it. Can't do it. I mean, we're the sum of the five people we hang out with. So think about it. Is it okay to every now and again land in the air for 10, 20 minutes? Same thing with social media, though. Like, put a stop to it. Understand that, okay, I'm going to call such and such back. We're going to talk about whatever it is, but we got 10, 20 minutes. And that's it. And that's just being a friend and being there. And if you are a true friend, make sure you fucking tell them. Tell them the truth. Don't bullshit around. It's just, you know, we, we they're looking for confirmation a lot of times in their story. Where every now and again, and you can ask Kowalski because both of us, I think, hold each other accountable. You gotta be real with them and say, okay, I see where you're coming from, but dude, look, there's certain steps that you have to take to get where you want to go. And quite frankly, I I haven't I haven't seen those steps. So uh, being honest listen get you give them a little bit of time and then if you start realizing and you find yourself going over and over and over again fuck that by the way michelle and pete good morning to you guys as well the next one here diversify your diet eat the rainbow they say what they should be saying eat the rainbow focus on foods with nutrients that can help promote energy like magnesium b vitamins and zinc also key the plant compounds called polyphenol, polyphenols, says Ali Balandi Ph.D., uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in general, go for a variety of fresh foods, vegetables, whole grains, and lean and plant-based proteins, and skimp on the processed meats and sugars. All I know is I had a gigantic pork chop last night with vegetables and polenta. Oh, so good. Uh, the next one here battle burnout. Everybody has an occasional bad day or week at work, but sluggishness and difficulty completing even simple tasks could be signs of burnout. A career coach, uh, Rachel Montanez in Orlando, Florida, says nearly 50% of employees reported feeling burnout, according to a survey of 20,000 people across 11 countries. Huh. okay, so it's wide range study right here. While we often assume burnout results from heavy workload, the causes can run much deeper and relate to fundamental issues like our sense of identity and our treatment in the workplace. Burned out employees often report that they're not getting sufficient opportunities for advancement or the pay they deserve or enough appreciation. Oh, kids these days. In some cases, they may not feel aligned with their job. It could be you're not using your strengths or you feel like your work lacks impact and meaning. Okay, I get older. Now, I would caution you just a little bit because there's a point in our lives when we need to understand what the fucking grind is about. We have to get that what we put in is going to be what we get out. Make sense? Sometimes in life, you're going to do work that's not going to change the fucking world, but that work still needs to get done. Sometimes in life, we're going to have to do things that we don't want to do to eventually lead us to get to do the things that we want to do. But there's a process in that. There was a process of going from playing Major League Baseball to getting into the broadcast world to starting a a technology uh, company and getting to the point where we're running daily shows on No Filter Network. Like there's this evolution that comes with it. And it's not this, hey, we're going to get everything and have everything we, we want you know, right away. To get to the point, for example, even just to play Major League Baseball, you realize the work that went into that. I was talking about it last night because we were discussing at the dinner table that we're now at a point where our kids are old enough where we can't force them to do shit and whether or not they're going to be great at whatever they do. It's not up to us. It's up to them. Well, with that, it it, doesn't mean that, and this was another great discussion. Does it mean our kids have to be division one athletes or professional athletes or Olympic skiers or anything else? Fuck no, no. That doesn't mean that at all, but it does mean that when they go through this process and and ideally take all of the valuable lessons that athletics and life and school have to offer, they then can apply to their lives going forward. But look, ultimately, with that they're going to have to make the choice whether or not they want to be great. And with greatness comes obsession. Give you an example. I was 13 years old. I got an iron mic machine for my birthday. And it was put up in the backyard. A year later, I go to St. Francis. I'm playing football. And every single day, I turn that iron mic machine up to 90 miles per hour. And I get in there, and I there's a bunch of swinging misses, like swinging miss, swinging miss, swinging miss, and finally for foul tips. Now my whole goal was just to drill the ball back up the middle, drill the ball back up the middle, drill the ball back up the middle, and I would try to hit the big blue machine and make this. Bang. Oh, it's awesome! So, in doing that, I would take a hundred swings before school, go to school, go to football practice, then come home. Now, typically in the early going, it was still light enough to hit but as it gets later in the season and the time changes right uh spring four fall back it was getting dark so i then literally would go out there with like lamps and flashlights 100 swings out there 200 swings a day for whatever reason i heard that when i went to a stanford camp and that was a number that i would try to get in uh, let's call it like five days a week and with that just comes repetition so fast forward two three years later i am a sophomore at saint francis and i get called to varsity and i'm facing dan Serafini. there's 50 scouts in the stands uh, the buzz about dan Serafini was that he could be the potential first pick of the draft and nobody could touch him he was 94 from the left side i get in there as a sophomore in high school uh, literally, I like, barely had hair on my balls. I, I just got caught. I just—I was still a kid. Like I, maybe, five ten at this point, maybe. And first ball, off laser off the middle, base hit. Second time against him, laser off the middle. Third, three for three off Dan free with three bullets. Chris Bradford comes up to me afterwards, the legendary San Francisco coach. Birthday, birthday. Three knocks off dancer Serapini. You kidding me? How'd you do it? How'd you do it? I go, Coach, I've been hitting off Dan Serapini in my backyard for the past three years. It's not rocket science. You're going to get out what you put in. I apologize if you've heard that story before. I've told it several times, but I just think it's really important when it comes to understanding what it takes to be successful and what it takes to be great. And, and you just don't wake up and this shit happens. There's work that gets put in. And you think there was certain mornings that I the alarm would go off at six o'clock and I'm like, oh yeah, great. I can't wait to go down and start banging balls. No, I, it was tough. It was tough to get out of the rap. But once I got down there and started doing it, it, it felt right. Same thing. Each and every single morning here, like, when I get up. I, it's 5 a.m. most of the time. I get up, and it's like, ugh. I could stay in bed for another hour or two, but it's like, no, let's get up. Let's go ride Daily Hustle. Let's get on the treadmill. As soon as the sun comes up, let's go hit the trails, because I know I'm going to be a better person for it. So there they are. They are the, what do you call them, the seven more pep in your step things to do. Streamline decision-making, number one. Sit and stand up straight. Number two, add the dopamine jumps to that, lay off social media. Number three, I would say manage social media more than anything. Green your space. Uh, They're recommending putting plants in the house. I'm recommending you get your ass outside, get into the wilderness. Exercise, energy vampires, get rid of the fucking energy suckers in your life. Uh, Diversify your diet, eat right. And I would say listen to your body. You go eat a great meal and you feel refreshed and charged afterwards that's that's probably good for you you feel sluggish lethargic tired afterwards probably not and then the last one here is battle burnout so there you are seven habits for better living uh otani a really sad story i just you you can't make this shit up with the angels i trout goes back on the dl the same day otani blows out is ucl like it's just oh i you I, I love the fact that the angels went for it i do i don't care I, people are going to be critical of them good on the angels doing everything they can when you had otani when you had trout to try to put this thing together so there's six takeaways here an article in mlb.com about otani's unfortunate injury number one this stinks yeah, there's no question about it. It says, let's not overcomplicate this. So Tani has captivated the entire planet with his ability to do something no one in baseball has ever done, no one has ever conceived doing. You understand why Eli David Cruz, no slouch himself, wanted to make sure he was real when he was poking at him. That was classic. So yes, it, it obviously does say Number two, we must recalibrate expectations for him as a pitcher. So this whole thing, I read this article earlier. They're saying that There's a doctor that quoted here, where you go, you have one Tommy John surgery, and there's a very good chance that you come back to be the same level of pitcher that you were before. You have two Tommy John surgeries, the likelihood of that happening is few and far between. I remember having a conversation with Billy Owens, who uh, at the time I was the He's assistant general manager with with the Oakland A's. I'm not sure what his his current title or role is, but this guy was a legend in his own right. Bellarmine Prep quarterback, University of Arizona, just badass. Uh, I grew up watching him play. So, but Billy was saying, he goes, "Yeah, everyone we look at who's had Tommy John surgery, we basically look at them as having like a six-year shelf life with the new ligament that gets put in. So, Otani's didn't even last." six years, but think about what he's doing. It's like kids that we run across and have arm troubles are typically like the little kids that they're really fucking hard. And the reason being is this, the physics aren't adding up. And so with Otani throwing a hundred in one miles per hour and doing what he's doing, you know, from an offensive perspective, uh, it just, it, it's not human. And at some point the body says enough's enough. And that's, Basically, what happened? It does say that if he does come back, one of the things, and I've, I've recommended this before, but one of the things uh, that would be "quote unquote" better as you try to make a second comeback from Tommy John surgery is you throw less innings. So, if I'm Otani and I'm coming back, the idea of starting. Fuck that. I'm a closer, baby. Grab the ball. Go throw 103 miles per hour now. And if it goes again, it goes again. Then you're just done with pitching. But the beautiful part of this is that it hasn't affected his hitting. So I don't know what their plan is going to be with him coming back as a pitcher. But if I'm Otani, I'm going to, If you know, if you're calling shots here, I want to be closer, and that'd be a good sell to a team, whoever it is that that's going to sign him. Now it's still going to be probably a you know eighteen to twenty four month rehab process, but you come back right so long as you're able to hit through all of it, you can go ahead and DH, and you're going to add tremendous value uh, there. I mean, he's such a savage on the base pass too, which you know makes it a difference. But then from there, when you come back and rehab and just close. Just close. I, it seems like so much of a better job anyway. It's, it, the natural position player transition would go to a closure. Starting pitchers are a different breed. They're like fucking golfers. They're like ah, punters, field goal kickers. They're just, they're just different. You have to have a mentality and here. Like, it's it's uh, be a closer. yeah. A lot more into that. Number three. You know, Tani's a penny free agency just got a lot more complex. It did. Like really complex. Otani will likely continue to play D.H. this season, as we've seen from Bryce Harper and others. Yeah, let's not forget about Bryce Harper's Tommy John surgery. Tommy John surgery shouldn't affect his swing, but it is one thing to agree to a huge contract with a unicorn of baseball, a man who is essentially two players in one, it is another to sign a huge contract with a guy who can only play D.H. Otani is one of the best hitters in baseball, but is someone who can't play the field, who can't actually throw for a year, Maybe more, there's inherently a ceiling to him. Will teams pay him for the possibility that he'll pitch again down the line? Yes. Fuck yeah. Why wouldn't you? I'm taking that chance. you Look, what is he like? 31? So you sign him to a 10 year deal. I'm hoping, I mean, that's a benefit of signing him to that because then you're like, look. If he comes back in two, and you're going to get this offensive production, even if it starts to diminish from here on out, you're still going to get crazy offensive production. But then in two years, you get a a top-end closer. Because let's not forget the longevity of pitchers seems to be a lot longer than it is for position players. So even if he goes and, say, comes back in two years and then gives you – two great years of being a savage arm out of the bullpen and then blows out again, that's just extra value that you were able to get. I'd be shocked if he signs anything less than an eight-year deal. I, I really would. Uh, but the question is, this, you know, who's willing to pay that? Let's not forget, too, the international element of this. Uh, the guy's a fucking rock star. He, he's right up there with one of those popular athletes on the planet. And I don't even think we understand the magnitude of that here in the United States. Number four, this could get more teams into the bidding form. Yeah, maybe. The number of teams who could have offered Otani the astronomical number he'd be expecting the pitcher, hitter, combo were inherently limited. Most fans assumed it would be the Dodgers, Mets, Yankees, maybe the Giants, and probably the Angels. The usual suspects, but with that number now presumably deflated, you'd have to think more teams could be in on the bargain it says not every team can pay 500 million over 10 years and that's probably what he was looking at that's what i would have said 50 millions a year that 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 would have been it but how about 250 or 300 seems like a lot of teams could afford that 30 a year for 10 30 for eight <sighs> that's very possible Number five, ironically, this could give the Angels a little better odds to keep them. Hmm. As first pointed out by my colleague Anthony Kastronis, he's great, by the way, if you had written off the Angels and the odds of holding on to Otani as many had, this at least has a chance of keeping them in the game. Otani will want to keep pitching at some point, even if he has Tommy John surgery. Anaheim is stable, familiar, predictable place for him to rehab from the surgery after all, he has already done it once. It also can keep Otani in their price range and allow him to stay in a place of certainty during a period of his career where there will be little certainty elsewhere. So I read an article uh, this morning about the most ex- expensive zip code in the country. And it was Newport, it was like basically like Newport coast, Newport beach area. And they had several properties that are for sale in that 50 to $70 million range. I mean, fucking ridiculous places. So cool. Do not sleep on the fact that Otani is playing in a city that is the most, you see, call it expensive, but it's, all, it's expensive for a reason. It's one of the most desirable places to live in the fucking world. The angels offer this familiarity to him, which is gigantic, especially for somebody that is as big of a name as Otani. And let's not forget, Otani originally signed with the Angels because he wasn't interested in the Bostons, the New Yorks, the Chicago's. He he wanted to go to a smaller market and do his thing. So Look, I won't be shocked one bit if he does stay there. It'll be interesting to see. Does he have property there? I think long term, you get behind that orange curtain, you don't fucking leave. Just ask the Seal brothers. You don't do it. Scott Seal, one of my best friends for life, has been in Orange County his entire life. And you go spend some time down there in the beach. And the vibe, the people, and the – I mean, just you get all of it. And it's a, it's a healthy lifestyle that's tough to want to get away from. Kobe Bryant would commute from Newport Coast to the Staples Center to play. I mean, it, it's just – it's that beautiful. It's that awesome. And to have that where he is right now, all right. Uh, number six, the Angels' deadline push was still commendable. And this is what I'm saying. It says, obviously, trading away the top of your farm system in order to reach the playoffs in what could be Otani's last season in town uh, doesn't seem to have worked out in an extra cruel twist. Now Mike Trout is back on the IL again. The Angels' bet did not pay off. That doesn't mean it wasn't worth a shot anyway. You saw Otani was doing before the deadline, throwing shutouts in the first game of the doubleheader, hitting two homers in the next one. The Angels had the best player in the world doing unprecedented, doing the unprecedented at the peak of his powers. The Angels tried to take advantage of a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that didn't turn out the way they wanted. Isn't a reason to blast them for trying. It should, in fact, be the exact opposite. And like I said before, commendable. Absolutely. I love the fact that they went for it. You know who else is going to fucking remember that? Mike Trout's going to remember that. Shohei Otani's going to remember that. To keep those guys together, too, maybe I'm wrong, but they seem to have pretty similar personalities. Two superstars in a town like that. I'm not writing the Angels off. I think they figure it out in the next, I don't know. If they they do keep Otani, and they do keep trout and they figure out how to surround them with a decent pitching staff and a, a, a lineup with depth. You can't you can't win with two superstars. I, I've learned that from youth baseball. You can have the two best players on the field, it doesn't fucking matter. You're only as good as your weakest link. Yeah, like if you the best teams that I've ever coached that I've ever played on are the ones where you can flip the lineup on the head. Whoever's hitting nine could be hitting one, who's ever hitting seven could be hitting three, who's ever hitting three could be hitting seven, whatever. The depth of a team is what makes great teams. All right, uh, let's see how this we got here. Damn, man, we're coming up on an hour just like that. Let's hit a couple of the stats of the week. Mookie's a leadoff power, trades 2HR inning and more. Mookie bats the 11th leadoff homer, hit his 11th leadoff homer on August 18th. He extended his record for the most in a season in Dodgers franchise history, and also the most leadoff homers before September in a single season. Betts is just two leadoff home runs shy of tying 2003 Alfonso Soriano's all-time single season record of 13. Wow. There's nothing like hitting leadoff home I mean, dude, you get up there, you're a leadoff hitter, you hunt fastball. That's it. First pitch of the game, I don't give a shit. It was my favorite spot to hit. The most success I had, if you go by the numbers, was actually the two-hole. But, man, leading off the game, just getting in there. I, I remember his first pitch against Jamie Moyer. <sighs> fastball, middle away, homer center field. Where else and when else am I going to get a fucking fastball from Jamie Moyer? Every other pitch is like change-up away, change-up away, change-up away. <laughs> fastball in. And the only time I ever got a fastball down the middle was when I was leading off the game. So that is uh, that is one. How about Trey Turner? In 18 games since he first got a standing ovation from Philly fans, Trey Turner is hitting 343 and slugging 630. Holy shit. He has hit five home runs in that span. Good on Trey. Completely turned the season around, and Phillies are playing well. The fastest man. On Saturday, speedy speedy of the Cruz hit a triple and scored on the same play on a throwing error. His home-to-home time was 15.3 seconds. The Reds' fastest home-to-home time track by StatCast since 2015, surpassing a 15.6 seconds by Billy Hamilton. This is the one that didn't make sense because – he literally almost stopped at fucking third base and still beat Billy Hamilton. The fastest time all year though was by Bobby Witt Jr. But if you look at Bobby Witt Jr.'s route around the bases, like it was just, it was far superior and he had no hesitation. So I'd love to see Ellie De La Cruz and Bobby Witt Jr. Go toto. To-, to I doubt anybody's beaten Ellie De La Cruz. I just don't think so. Julio Rodriguez. These are all stats of the week, by the way. Julio Rodriguez tallied four straight games with at least four hits on Wednesday through Saturday, tying 1925 Milk Stock for the most consecutive four-hit games since at least 1901. He had 17 hits in the four games. Cheese did a no-filter network video on that, where I actually showed all 17 hits. He was using the entire field. Well, like I said he was using the entire bat. Wasn't afraid to get jammed. Boom, shooting balls the other way, the whole bit. Uh, Fourth hits the charm. It wasn't just Rodriguez. From Tuesday through Saturday, the Mariners had at least one hitter with a four-hit game in six consecutive team games. It was fucking insane. That tied the longest of streak since 1900 with the 1929 Giants and 1923 Dodgers accomplishing the feat. Extra base hits bound at 22 years and 25 days old on Sunday. Gunnar Henderson. He's so good. Became the youngest player in the Orioles slash Browns history with four extra base hits in a game. Henderson was the 12th youngest player since 1901 with the fourth extra base hit in a game and the youngest since Miguel Cabrera in 2005. It was a 44th individual game since 1901 with multiple doubles, a triple, and a home run. The last one was a double, and he gets to second base, and his teammates were all over him. They're like, dude, why don't you stop at first for the cycle? Oh, it's funny. And the other stat here, 20 homers for all. This is crazy, too. Eddie Rosario hit his 20th home run of the season on Tuesday. Ready for this? He became the Braves' seventh fucking player with at least 20 home runs this season. It did not say fucking in the article. But, Amo, Andy Moore's Chattanooga, Tennessee, the biggest Braves fan I know. How about that, dude? I mean, it's got to be just a great time to be a Braves fan. Brotherly love is the next one here. Joshua and Richie Palacios faced off an MLB game for the first time this week. Josh homered on Monday and then on Tuesday. Richie hit his first career home run. He became the fifth player in divisional era since 1969 to hit his first career homer in a game where he played versus brother. That's pretty sweet. Chris Gwynn did it. Let's see here. Cesar Crespo, he joined Cesar Crespo versus Felipe in 2001. And Chris Gwynn versus Tony in 1990. Joe Negro, off of Phil, in 1976. That's pretty cool. And Oscar Brown versus Ali in 1970. Showtime. Joey Otani finished the 2023 pitching season with a three seventy two batting average. In games he pitched this year, he also had a 12- 20 OPS in those games. That's the highest OPS by a player in games he pitched since at least 1901 with a minimum of 60 such plate appearances. And still unswept. This is nuts. Teams enter each series trying to win the series. But even just avoiding being swept is worth noting. To that end, the Orioles have now gone 80 straight series without being swept. Entering the weekend, that's the fourth most consecutive series of multiple games without being swept per Elias. They trail only the 1942-44 Cardinals, the 1903 Giants, and the 1920-24 New York Yankees, which, let's see, the Cardinals went 125, the 1942-44 Cardinals. So they got a long way to go. The Giants had 106. That's 1903 and 1905. And the Yankees, 1922 and 1924, are at 83. The O's are at 80. I think that's fucking insane. I I mean, the other element of that is it's just, you'd like to think there's a lot more parity now than there was back then. I mean, back then it was like the Yankees, it seemed like they were winning the World Series every year. So the likelihood that you're going to get swept uh, is huge. I mean, especially when you go in for a short series. Now the question becomes: Does this include a two-game series? Because oftentimes they have those. I know the A's will play the Giants for two games, or the O's will play the Nationals. Regardless, it's an incredible feat. All right, of all the um, of all the shows, that was one of them. Let's hit the Major League Baseball. Well. Real quick, we'll hit the scores, the matchups for this weekend, and then we'll leave you guys with a little James Allen as a man thinketh. The scores from yesterday, Thursday, the slate's usually not as big. Tuesdays, by the way, are the best days in Major League Baseball. I I I love Tuesdays. That's why we do Deuces Wild Tuesday. Thrill is not gonna be available for Deuces Wild this Tuesday, but I will still run a Deuces Wild show. On Tuesday. Deuces wild alone. Daily Hustle. We're now across every single podcast platform, basically, that there is. Uh, Dodgers 6-1 over the Guardians. It was Nationals 6-5 over the Yankees. The Yankees is fucking terrible, man. 61 and 66 now. What a debacle. And the Nats, they, they they rallied late in this one, too. The Rays 5-3 over the Rockies. How about the Red Sox? Put an absolute pounding on the Astros, 17-1. Dodgers, 9-3 over the Guardians. Cubs, 5-4 over the Pirates. So the Dodgers, those, those are two games. The Dodgers took care of the sweep of the doubleheader. Uh, Cubs, 5-4 over the Pirates. Cubs, 67-60. and 60. The O's, 5-3 over the Bluebirds. Twinkies, 7-5 over the Rangers. A's get a big win in Chicago. That's their 37th win of the year. 37-91 now, 8-5. And then the Diamondbacks, Leapfrog, the Reds, back in the wildcard standing, they win 3-2. The standings that we like to go over eh, often here on the Daily Hustle, you got Baltimore on top of the East. You have Minnesota on top of the Central in the American League. And Texas, holy shit, man, this race is getting tight. You got Texas, 72-55 and 55 on top of the West. Seattle's one game back at 71 and 56. And Houston is one game back at 72 and 57. That's going to come down to the wire. In the National League, it's the Bravos, 82 and 44. That's the best record in baseball. Leading the East. The Central has Milwaukee on top, 70 and 57. The Cubs are just three back at 67 and 60. And then the Dodgers are on top of the West, 78 and 48. They've really taken off. The wild card picture looks like this if it were to end today. It would be Tampa, Seattle, and Houston, all in the uh, American League. So that would be three teams out of the West. Toronto's a game-and-a-half back. Boston's hanging in there, three-and-a-half back. They're 68-60. And, and then the National League, I mentioned division leaders, it's Atlanta, L.A., and Milwaukee. And the wild card looks like this. If the season were to end today, it would be Philly 69-58. and The Cubs would make the playoffs, and then the Diamondbacks would sneak in. The San Francisco Giants uh, would be a half game back, and uh, as are the Cincinnati Reds. Miami sticking around just two back. And for San Diego Padre fans holding on to hope, uh, they are six back. Yeah, they're done as far as I'm concerned. Good morning, sissy, small fry, fancy pants, strawberry shortcake. Well, uh, you realize we have an interactive live daily hustle going on here. Where are you going? I mean, you're going to ride? Are you, are you saying good morning, goodbye? Oh, you're trailing the horses down to Reno. And by the way, in Reno tonight, Will the Thrill and Battleborn Mike are down in Reno tonight. And uh, Sissy Small Fry has a big horseshoe. You want to wave, everybody? Just wave. We get to get in the camera. There's my 13 year old daughter. Okay, uh, we'll finish here with a little James Allen, and I'll go see them off. By the way, as a man, thinketh one of my favorites of all favorites. Usually, I pick it up and find the beginning of a chapter. There's a Serenity one. Let's do this one, Visions and Ideals. The dreamers are the saviors of the world. As the visible world is sustained by the invisible, so men, through all their trials and sins and sordid vocations, are nourished by the beautiful visions of their solitary dreamers. Humanity cannot forget its dreamers. It cannot let their ideals fade and die. It lives in them. It knows them as The realities which it shall one day see and know. Composer, sculptor, painter, poet, prophet, sage. These are the makers of the afterworld, the architects of heaven. The world is beautiful because they have lived. Without them, laboring humanity would perish. Who cherishes a beautiful vision, a lofty ideal in his heart, will one day realize it. Dream big, folks. Daily Hustle back on Monday. We are going to shoot for five days next week. And the concept and idea most likely will be a shorter show. A lot of times they are usually about an hour. We're thinking of tightening it up, going down a half hour, at least playing with it. And seeing how that goes. Uh, once again, appreciate all these sponsors. Appreciate the Bat Rollins. This thing's sick. The mock AI, I'm not even sure if it's out yet, but it is a beautiful thing and highly recommend it. It is, is a very nice feeling. And KT Tape, great to start our partnership out in a, uh, I think I'm gonna do this right here. Blister prevention would be my first application of the KT Tape. And then don't forget, Tryverge.com to help you focus and concentrate. I mean, I just made it through an hour here on the DH. All right. Everyone have a fantastic weekend. Oh, Jason, what's up, dude? Yes, sir. Hopefully we'll see you tonight in Reno, man. That's it. See ya!